Welcome to Category Visionaries, the show dedicated to exploring exciting visions for the future from the founders who are on the front lines building it. In each episode, we'll speak with a visionary founder who's building a new category or reimagining an existing one. We'll learn about the problem they solve, how their technology works, and unpack their vision for the future. I'm your host, Brett Stapper, CEO of Frontlines Media. Now let's dive right into today's episode. Hey, everyone, and thank you for listening. Today, I'm speaking with Nick Talraja, co-founder and CEO of Sidecar, a deal execution platform for venture investors that's raised over $16 million in funding. Nick, thanks for chatting with me today. Thanks, Brett. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, so before we begin talking about what you're doing there, can we just start with a quick summary of who you are and a bit more about your background? Absolutely. Like you said, I'm Nick Talraja, CEO and uh, co-founder at Sidecar, which automates how venture investors can build their businesses and deploy capital into groundbreaking startups. My background leading to Sidecar, most of my time was spent professionally as an attorney. I practiced law for about eight years in New York City and then Silicon Valley at firms like Wild Gottschall in New York, where I was in the capital markets business, taking companies public, working with investment banks on, on IPOs and large-scale debt offerings. And I moved to Cooley in Palo Alto and practiced law uh, there for a few years, where I supported companies just like Sidecar, supported founders before they even had an idea in their minds of, of what the company might, might turn out to be all the way through an IPO or exit of that company. Subsequently left Cooley, started my own law firm, represented dozens of companies directly, strategically as well as outside counsel, joined a couple of boards. And ultimately I realized that I had the most fun professionally working with founders and advising companies on strategy and just getting in the weeds. And I was most aligned with companies I had equity in. So I said, hey, why don't I start investing? And when I started investing myself, I leveraged tools like SPVs, which means single purpose vehicle, and eventually raised a small fund with my co-founder, David, at Sidecar. And on that journey, we realized that the private markets are just fraught with inefficiency. You know, if you're a company raising capital, and it's been a lot of time on that mission as outside counsel, you get to leverage really simple forms like the Y Combinator safe or standardized documentation for your price rounds. But if you're an investor deploying capital, there really is just no standardization. There's no automation because there are no standard means of building and running your operation as a fund investor. And Sidecar was born under this mission of creating protocol standards for how documentation is leveraged in being a venture investor, private equity investor, and beyond, and then building product that automates all of the nuance so that if you're building an investment business, you can work with a fund admin like a Sidecar that is entirely product-driven, painless, where things are on time, your tax reporting is before you need it. It's just a common pitfall when working with fund admins. And you know, we started the business on that vision. We've now been doing this for about two years and it's been the best job of my life, the most exhilarating and stressful job. And I can talk about that a bit more, but yeah, that's, that's how we get to where we are. And I've heard a lot of people talk about that in recent years, about the inefficiencies of the venture business overall. And I've always thought that to be kind of ironic, right? This whole industry is about investing in the future and building the future. And then behind the scenes, it's running on archaic systems and outdated technology. Why do you think that is? Yeah, you know, I think norms are very hard to change. And especially when the point of entry for someone thinking about making an investment or building a business is counsel or a fund admin that's a manual service provider where there is an incentive to serve you in a bespoke manner because that is how you charge enough to justify the time spent behind the scenes, catering to your needs in a manual fashion. And, you know, it takes a paradigm shift and it takes education and building a brand and awareness around an alternative means of entering the business 
to get people to appreciate why standards could lead to efficiency gain. And that just takes time. And it takes catalysts that are outside of a business like Sidecar. It takes a catalyst like what we saw in the last few years where venture capital was very frothy. And I think, you know, we're seeing a healthy return to a normal pace for venture this year as we did last year. But with the catalyst we saw in the last couple of years, I think we saw the opportunity that, hey, we can now come out the gates with something that is like a Stripe, like interface for venture capitalists where they're okay abandoning some of the customization that they may previously have thought was necessary to get into the business and build with us more efficiently. I think a lot of it's just like right time, right? And that's, that's kind of what we benefited from here. And I'm guessing a lot of it has to do with your credibility and your journey as well, right? You're not like a 19-year-old a Stanford dropout who's just kind of a mercenary who identified this problem because of your previous positions. You really experienced this problem or these problems firsthand, right? Absolutely. That's a great call out, Brett. So our means of growing our business has been entirely word of mouth. And the reason that customers trust us is because of that innate credibility that our team brings to the table. Not just my background as an attorney, having you know been someone that spun up his own venture vehicles, but also the rest of our incredible team where we have folks who worked at the Cardos and Angelus of the world. We have fund accountants and, and CPAs, even in our engineering rank, we have CPAs, which is incredible. People who just truly understand this problem and want to solve it in the best way possible. Nice. That's amazing. Now, talk to me about when you're making that transition from a lawyer to a startup founder. What was going on in your head? You know, was that a scary time to make that shift? And what was your family telling you? What were your friends telling you? And, and what were your coworkers at law firms telling you? Oh, man. I think the scariest shift was leaving Cooley, this very safe institution that paid me incredibly well and gave me one of the best experiences of my life as an attorney and incredible exposure. But leaving that was not easy because I was walking away from a really healthy salary and a place where I almost had a guaranteed job as long as I kept performing. It wasn't easy to leave, but at the same time, I think if you have this passion of doing something differently, being in a place like a law firm where so much of your work is spent thinking about precedent and not changing the game, you know, it kind of was at odds with who I was. And being a lawyer in an institution where, you know, you are upholding values and a judgment of being the safest place to operate, you know, it just wasn't a place where I found a lot of sort of thrill, if you will. And that's something that I sought out. And the next chapter for me was just leaving. And, you know, I think that departure was one I thought a lot about. And it was just a sort of cold jerky decision like, hey, I'm going to just quit. Because if I don't quit, I'm never going to take the next leap. And I wasn't sure what it was going to be. Once I made that leap, and I realized that there was a net right in front of me, and it was my experience. It was the fact that I did practice law for a number of years. I built incredible relationships. Everything else kind of naturally just fell in place. And once I had my first client where I was acting as a consultant, where I was learning directly from founders, where I could spend the time I wanted to not build for my time, if I was just learning personally and developing relationships, that was when I realized like, hey, there's no going back to safety. Safety is whatever I make the world that I want to exist for myself. And I realized then that the path to becoming a founder was just more and more exposure. And, and that's exactly what I tried to pull together for myself. And something else I wanted to ask about there, and I, I think you had mentioned it. So you were doing deals where you would have equity in the company. Were you exchanging your legal services for that equity? Or how were those deals structured? For a few of my relationships, that was exactly it. Where, you know, I would work with founders that, you know, were paying me hundreds of dollars an hour, right? And that's a lot to ask from a, a company that's maybe raised a couple million dollars. And 
you're like one of their major expense items. And I realized that perhaps I'm at odds with what's needed at the company when I'm asking them to pay for time consulting on something that's pretty easy for me. And if I really believe in this company, is that $500 that I'm charging per hour better invested in equity that I could get from this company? And is that where I feel more aligned with their success and then feel like I'm even doing a better job because I just care so much because we're so aligned. And that's when I started taking equity in a couple of companies. And I didn't do it for everybody because it is also an obligation. Like I, I, my sense was being on as many cap tables as possible is not necessarily the best move, but being on a few cap tables while also charging perhaps a discounted rate might align me for a few companies where I did want to deliver outsized impact. For other clients, I did not take equity. Big reason being, I don't want them to feel an obligation to give me equity. I don't want them to feel like I have to show up when I just can't show up because they've given me something that's very valuable to them. I'd rather just keep it a clean relationship where, hey, it's just by the hours, you know, it's whatever it is that we've negotiated. And then from then on, like at some point, maybe part ways if I decide to do something else. Makes a lot of sense. And I'm sure from that work, you were interacting with and around a lot of amazing founders. Is there anything specific you can recall that really stood out or any patterns that you observed from these founders that you could say, wow, you know, a lot of them shared this specific trait or you know, this specific skill set that really helped them separate themselves from all the others? Absolutely. Number one is grit. And I think people talk more about grit these days. But back then, I think if you were to asked me what I thought was most important in a founder, I would have said storytelling, fundraising. But what I realized working with founders is that grit and team building are probably one and two. I saw founders that raised pennies compared to others, use their money really wisely, build a team that was extremely aligned from a vision perspective with what the company needed, and just work terribly hard, just incredibly hard at something that seems insignificant in so many ways, but ultimately proved to be sort of the game changer, right? For, for how they approached the problems that they were trying to solve. Whether it was a, a CPG company with a product that uh, everyone loves cookies and trying to compete with larger brands out there in, in a better for you industry and, and just terribly hard again at getting into as many doors as possible, every Whole Foods out there. And it's a really hard mission to do that cost effectively or a company in the life sciences that I was very close to that has a founder that had to continuously raise capital and face perhaps uncertainty on the preclinical trial side where you're not seeing the data you want, but you, you believe so wholeheartedly that the world needs a therapeutic to cure many heart disease, that you will do everything possible, including diluting yourself to see this mission through and then ultimately succeed. I mean, that grit, that conviction, that just staying aligned with your team and giving it your all is absolutely what set apart founders that I would love working with and I saw success in from others that the minute something would become a little difficult they lose steam, passion might disappear. And I think grit is so powerful because it's not momentary. It's something that if you have it, you'll just bring it. And in your journey building Sidecar, have you had any of those experiences or those moments where you had to really call on that grit and, and try to rally yourself to push through? Absolutely. Absolutely. We're building a, a business that supports investors in the private markets, specifically venture investors. I mean, if you look at when we started the business, it was a frothy year. There was a, plenty of tailwinds. And then you turn a page to last year, the second year of our business. The venture industry looks like it's collapsing. Crypto's dying, which was a place where a lot of our customers were putting their money uh, to work and using our product life cycle to facilitate those investments. So what do we do in that uncertainty? You know, we could have said, hey, like business is slowing down. We're not, we're not growing multiples on multiples every month, but 
we all believe, I personally really believe in a future 10, 20 years from now where everyone isn't exposed to the private assets in some manner and sidecar is the means for that exposure. For that world to exist, this is not a one or two year play. This is a 10 year, 20 year play. And we have to just keep chipping at this until we have that perfect edge to move the market to our uh, infrastructure. And that took just staying really focused last year. We could have diversified, taken on some more manual work, said yes to a bunch of customer requests, but we said no. The way that we build is by staying hyper-focused on the few things we do really well. Even if the market's not there today, we should still build that robust product and win that market tomorrow. And that's what we did. And it was hard. Ultimately, last year, we grew. In the end, fourth quarter was our best quarter yet. December was our best month yet. And we know that in public filings, the competition didn't grow at the same pace. It's because we stayed hyper-focused. We didn't say yes to things that would derail us. And that's exactly what some of our competitors did. One of our competitors even died last year because the market tanked that much. But we grew. We subsequently raised some financing earlier this year, and we feel really good about just staying focused and just staying close to the ground. And something really interesting you mentioned there is you know, the 10 to 20 year horizon. So first off, have you always been someone who's able to think long term like that? Because that's something I've struggled with and something that I've seen a lot of founders struggle with. And then the second follow up to that would be, how do you get investors aligned around that idea of something that you know could take 10 or, or 20 years, how do you frame those conversations and tell that story and get investors to buy into that long-term vision? It's a good question. I'm thinking because I don't know if I've always thought that far ahead, but I can tell you that I've had a number of business ideas in my life and I've tried a number of things. I grew up in a family business that is something very different from Sidecar. And then I ended up starting a bunch of side hustles and businesses that scale to a certain point, but I never really put my heart and soul into them the same way I have with Sidecar because I knew that they were ephemeral opportunities. I was making a, a bet on something short term that would produce some cash for me or whatever. With Sidecar, this was clearly for me a paradigm shifting business from day one. And it was clear that what was so paradigm shifting about it were the hardest parts of building this business, automating financial reporting, tax, legal structures. These aren't sexy things. Many people would fall asleep at the thought of what we do and what we're really great at, right? Because it's not necessarily super interesting to those who are on the outside. But to us, these fundamental changes or these fundamentally different approaches and how people move capital, how people think about legal entity structuring for investments, how you think about financial reporting and how it can be truly automated. We know that these are aspects of our business that are super special, but will take years for them to proliferate in this market where, again, changing norms just takes time. But there was never a doubt on day one that a future version of how people invest in the private market has to look more like the public market. It has to be more like a Robinhood-like experience. And whether it's Sidecar with an app like a Robinhood or someone else, we want to be a part of that future and be the infrastructure that powers it in the private markets. The only way to do that is to take a really long-term approach to this business. And that, I think, is something that we've all signed up for at Sidecar. That's not to say that like everyone at this company is going to be working with Sidecar for 20 years. But I do think that even if our journey is cut short because we're acquired or whatever happens from an exit standpoint at Sidecar, I think it'll take many, many more years afterward for our role vision to be truly realized. That's fascinating. And that makes a lot of sense. Now, let's talk a bit more about the product. So let's say that I'm launching a new fund and I come to you and I want to sign up. What's that journey look like? Can you just walk me through so we can help visualize what that experience would be? Absolutely. So first, you would talk to us. We ensure that we are able to share with you who we are, what we represent, why you should trust us, and give you a demo of our product. 
in such a way that you get your hands on it in a 30 minute phone call with our amazing team. After that point, you're invited to the product. And if you're creating a fund or you're launching a deal via an SP using sidecar, you get an invitation and you'd set up your profile, your user profile as like a deal sponsor, as a GP of the fund. That process takes a few minutes. We run a KYC check on you. And then within minutes on our back end, we spin up a legal entity, open a bank account, run the compliance process, like I just mentioned, and make sure you're now deal ready, which means you can launch your deal and share it with people to start moving money into an investment vehicle and then deploy it to a company. We've automated a lot of these backend processes so that you're not held back from raising capital to deploy it when you want to. And we've automated the process of you inviting people to an opportunity where they then get to sign their documentation to invest in a fund or an SDD on Sidecar, understand what they're investing in from a narrative standpoint, and understand their exposure over time as you call more capital from them for your fund. On the other side, you as a sponsor, when it comes to deploying capital into an asset, into a private company, whatever it may be, we've made a really user-friendly dashboard for you so that you can track capital available. You can call more capital seamlessly. And we automate the wire reconciliation so that you don't need to necessarily call us or ping us to, hey, you know, ask us to take, go take a look at a bank statement to see who exactly funded. Everything's automated because we've integrated with the bank deeply that when you want to wire money out to an opportunity, it's literally a few clicks. And then money goes out to the target. Documentation's automatically saved at Sidecar. And then we start to track that investment for purposes of delivering you reports that help you understand your exposure as well as the tax filings. And that's automated so that every investor receives their Schedule K-1s on time, which is, I know, a big issue for those who, who invest to, to get those on time. And because we control so much of the infrastructure, we're able to file our tax returns on nature K-1s ahead of the deadline of March 15. In fact, we're shipping them for last year, I think this week. And we filed 500 tax returns and issued thousands of K-1 with only one person controlling that whole show because it's all automated. And that's just it's fascinating for us. So I hope that's a good, good enough description. I'm also happy to give anyone a demo that wants one. No, that makes a lot of sense. So it sounds like it's much more than just deal execution then, right? It's almost like the entire back office. Do I have that right? That's correct. Wow. So are there lawyers who hate you? You know, who hates you here? Who's being displaced by this platform existing? Because I feel like there has to be someone that is losing business because this exists, whether that's law firms or you know people who are doing this back office work before manually. It's a good question. I hope no one hates us, but I'm sure some people will look at it and think, oh, that could be a threat to our business. Maybe those are, you know, traditional fund administrators or law firms. But, you know, if you think about what everyone really wants to do, I don't think anyone really wants to do what we've automated, right? I don't think it's like a fun job for anybody. So if you're a lawyer, do you want to spend your time creating really simple fund structures or STVs where your clients are always angry that your bill comes in higher than expected? Or would you rather partner with the company like Sidecar and be a preferred counsel to our customers so that if they wanted representation, they could work with you directly. You know our forms. You can give them efficient counsel. And maybe you help them because you've related to them so well on our, through our product and the relationship we built. You could help them with their next fund that maybe is not a good fit for Sidecar because they're raising way too much money or it has a lot of bespoke terms and we just can't support them, right? I wonder if that's a better way to think about it as a partner. On the fund admin side, similarly, if they're not building technology, then it's a matter of time before technology starts to displace how they approach the world anyway. Technology is eating the world, right? And I think for them, Maybe they should view us as a partner. In fact, we are working on partnerships with law firms and fund admins, these people who might otherwise, you might think, not like us because we're a threat, to enable them to grow their businesses. 
Today's sidecar is a point solution that's branded sidecar. Tomorrow, maybe it's an embeddable solution. We're already working in that direction because our infrastructure is more powerful than our front-end interface. We'd love to support fund admins that exist in the world today and let them build their own version of our fund structure and say, this is our vision. Build on us as well, just like you would build on Cypher and give them the tools to do so. Yeah, I can see that. And it makes sense too that the the work that you know you are taking away here isn't really that fun work that anyone just you know goes home at night and says, Wow, I had the best day. Got to work on all this exciting work. It's all the stuff they probably hate, right? Absolutely. Yeah, that's definitely the case. Like speaking from personal experience, it's not work I thought was fun as a lawyer. Yeah, I can see that. What work is fun for a lawyer? How do lawyers think about like fun work versus like the manual tedious work that they don't want to do? What's like the fun stuff? Yeah, I think the most fun work is the advisory work. I think all of us, I think genuinely most people want to help, right? And I think even most lawyers, I think knowing that you've helped problem solve in a way that required your knowledge, years of experience is the most fulfilling part of the job. At least it was for me. I used to love working with clients that gave me a hard problem where I knew from experience, either having seen a similar pattern in the past or just knowing like the Delaware, you know, corporate code, I could guide them on a decision that helps them move forward with certainty. That's the most fun part about being a lawyer is just, again, using that experience to help unblock a, a problem or help someone think about a challenge ahead in, in a way that that makes their life easier. I love that. Now, can you talk to us a little bit about growth and traction that you've seen? Absolutely, I can. So... When we started the business, we started with, let's see, this is back in 2020 is when we didn't even have the notion of sidecar as like a formal entity, but we started to test the idea. I had a basic workflow that I worked on with co-founders and, and that drove about 30 or 40 customers our way just saying, hey, like I would totally use a product if you built what you say you can build. And in 2021 rolls around, we started to build our products. We had a number of customers that were using it through probably end of the year with an annualized run rate of somewhere in the... I would say 2 million a year range. And over the course of 2022 was when we actually released our full software products. And we ended 2022 with a multiple of that 2 million on annualized run rate. This year, we hope to end the year with closer to double digit million annualized run rate. And next year, multiply that. And the way that we continue to grow and the reason we've grown is by making people really happy, making their lives easy. And our product serves more and more of the market over time. Going forward, like I just mentioned, a part of our growth is is working with partners that might seem like competitors with an embeddable product. And that is something that we're rolling out now. And it's being received very, very well. So we're very excited about it. And last question for you. Let's zoom out three to five years from today. What's that vision? What's the company look like? And, and what's the impact overall that you've had on the market at that point? The vision is that larger banks, technology-driven wealth management platforms, wealth advisors in general, fund admins, law firms, you name it, anyone that touches the private market in some way leverages some of what we've built to help them move money into private markets. The result being on the other side, that more founders are being backed by people who genuinely care about the missions they're on. And we are seeing a growth and explosion of private companies being funded that need to exist all over the world, thanks to more efficient infrastructure. Ultimately, it's all about the founders. And it's all about startups and the ecosystem that we're a part of now and changing the world for the better by backing the best ideals. I love it. Nick, unfortunately, we are up on time, so we're going to have to wrap. Before we do, if people want to follow along with your journey as you continue to build, where's the best place for them to go? They can come to our website at Sidecar and learn more about the company. That's S-Y-D-E-D-A-R.io, Sidecar.io. And if you want to follow me personally or get in touch with me, 
I am on Twitter. My handle is Nick Talreja. That's N-I-K-T-A-L-R-E-J-A. Awesome. Nick, thank you so much for taking the time to tell your story and talk about what you're building. This is all super exciting and hope to have you back on in a couple of years to talk about all of the progress that was made on this vision. Thank you, Brett. You can keep me honest. <laughs> all right. Let's keep in touch. 